There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Boris. Now, let me ask you this. What comes to mind when you think of rugs? That's right, rugs. Is it some tacky-looking ad with some bloke shouting, closing down sale, all the rugs have got to go? Well, traditionally, rugs are bloody difficult to buy. That's my experience anyway. I've invited on the show today a business that wants you to forget about that shouting bloke and change the way you shop for rugs in a modern way to the point where they have effectively created a cult following amongst their customers. Alex and Aaron are the co-founders of Miss Amara, an e-commerce rug business. Rugs are a pretty interesting product to be selling, especially online. They're awkward, it's hard to know where the product came from, etc., etc. And you'll only know if you made the right decision once you bought the thing and put it on the floor right in your lounge room. But you're going to hear today from my chat with Miss Amara how they build a business strategy that is completely customer-centric, offering customers things like a virtual styling service and developing augmented reality technology to help you on your journey in selecting your rug. So I want to know, how do they go about buying the rugs? How do they source them? How heavily do they rely on their data? Does that data and the analytics around it determine product trends, therefore what the new product line should be? And what do you do when your business is facing a crisis like we did last year with a COVID environment? So let's get into it. Hey guys, welcome to The Mentor. Hey Mark, thank you so much for having us. We're such big fans. Thank yeah. you so much. Thanks so much, Mark. Really appreciate it. And you're coming really to us forward. live all the way from Hong Kong. I love Hong Kong, but we're about. So, yeah, it's such a great city. So, we're in Wan Chai at the moment. Do you know Wan yeah, Chai? Sure do. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I reckon I've been to Hong Kong like oh, maybe 30 times, 40 times, perhaps. Yeah, oh, yeah, really? yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, Hong Kong's such an awesome not, not for a while, though. So I haven't been, obviously, there's been a few issues, but I haven't been there for a while. But I, I, I certainly used to go there. It's going back a bit, probably before you guys were born, but in the eighties and uh, late seventies, eighties, and a bit of the nineties. But I used to go there just about like oh, probably once a month, once every six weeks. Um, yeah, for yeah. business, for work. But I used to love going there. I used to love going there. So you're in Wan Chai, and uh, has Hong Kong's changed a lot, hasn't it? It's like it's not the same as it was twenty years ago. It's uh, become more more aligned to China, I guess, than it was previously when it was a much more of an international city. Look, I definitely feel like it feels the same. Yeah, yeah. I think Hong Kong's, I mean, definitely a lot's changed, I think, in 20 years. Like, Hong Kong's grown a lot. Um, a lot of things have happened, I guess, in 20 years. There's definitely, like, uh, some changes happening. Um, but, you know, nothing that you really notice on a day-to-day basis. I mean, we did go through a period where there were a lot of protests mm. right before COVID. Like, yeah. So 
there was some pretty intense protests happening, especially being in one shot of be kind of going by our, um, you know, by our apartment. Yeah. Um, but apart from that, you know, it's pretty, pretty normal. Every day. So Wan Chai, I remember sort of that's where one of our prime ministers got caught in a hallway in Wan Chai. Uh, if, I don't know if you, oh. if you guys remember, but uh, uh, allegedly with uh, Audi's trousers. Um, as as Wan Chai become uh, more flash, you know, like more upmarket, less entertainment style, and more, uh, you know, like just said, I said more upmarket as a place. I haven't been there for so long. Oh, I just need to know. I have been there too, I mean, by Wan the way. Chai still definitely has a- <laughs> One side definitely has a reputation. It's still got a reputation as having that area. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely does, like yeah. your red light district. But when I was in Sydney, like I used to live in the cross, so it's really not a big change for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the cross, the cross, the cross has changed. How long you, is it since you? Oh, absolutely. How long is it since you guys have been living in Hong Kong or Wan Chai in Hong Kong, or compared to say when you were living in Sydney? How long is it that you left Australia? It's been about five years since we've been living there. But last visited, I think, February last year, right before kind of everything happened. Um, so we, we were in Sydney then. So, yeah, we go back pretty regularly almost every time we go back. We go back several times a year. So Yeah, absolutely, yeah. because our business is there, our family's there. We yeah. really do feel like we live in two places, but just unfortunately we haven't been able to go yeah. due to the current situation. Now, um, Alex, you're a Sydney girl, Rose Bay. I sure Aaron, am. you're an Adelaide-born Adelaide Bred for a little while there, but right um, how did you guys sort of get to meet? Like, uh, did you meet in Sydney or where'd you meet? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely Sydney, not not Adelaide. That's such a funny question. Uh, well, if I mean, if we really want to go there, we swiped right on each other. Really? On Tinder? Yeah, we yeah, sure yeah. did. <laughs> we're, both, we're both really. We, yeah, That's cool. We're both really busy um, with you know day to day life. Um, didn't really have time for normal dating. So yeah. Tinder was a great kind of option to, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we kind of met when we were at the high point in our careers and we were extremely busy. And the last thing that I know that I wanted to do when I was working such long hours was go to a bar and I meet a guy. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, and we both worked in technology. So, you know, I just, I love to use different apps and different technology. I embrace it. I embrace the industry. So... Yeah, that's, well, that's how many my years ago we're we talking now. What's yours? How many years ago? No, but how many years ago we're we talking? <laughs> I think it's been seven years now. So we met in. We 20, just got married. Yeah, we just got married last. Oh, congratulations! Year, October. Uh, yeah. Thank you. But, um, yeah, we met in 2014. Yeah. So what? what uh, Alex, uh, yeah. were he, uh, was he true to his photo? Like the abs, the whole thing, or like what? What was he presenting? Oh, I don't swipe right on those guys, Mark. <laughs> 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 So, I, didn't have, I didn't have the app shot. So there, look so. with me and I'll share my little my little criteria. I don't know if that's going to help any ladies listening at the moment, but I really did look at the photos. And for me, I, I like back then I, I considered myself quite a driven person. So in the photos I really wanted to see people either doing triathlons or Ironman. <laughs> that was a big tick for me. I also liked, you know, photos of, Mums, families, family values, things like that. Um, so Aaron had, I think you had like a marathon photo where yeah, you were just then I was doing, doing ultra marathons. Yeah, so yeah, that's interesting. Yep. Driven. So that's very really interesting. Like, uh, actually, that, that Aaron, I have to ask Aaron this: Did you get a, 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 a consultant to sort of help you out, fill out your page, or you know, like uh, to make make sure that you could hook someone? <laughs> 
like Alex, or did you just did you just naturally do that stuff? In other words, you two came together because good, good question. That you were naturally um, attracted to each other because not just the photos, I guess, but also what you did and sort of the characteristics that um, your page indicated. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, back then they weren't really consultants, but I definitely, I think I got feedback from someone about what what I should put on there. And but now I mean, you was, can. Now there are yeah, now consultants, consultants that can spruce up your profile. It's not amazing that that's a career now. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, so you got together. You're both in technology. Explain, please, what technology you in. What so what part of the technology industry were you in? What were you doing? So when I met Aaron, um, I had I was in app development so I when I was I it was a very long road though to be honest so I went to university and I did architect architecture because I just loved creating spaces and I loved creating just I was very creative and to be honest I was really not sure what I wanted to do I never knew exactly what I wanted to do I think back when we were growing up no one really ever spoke about like entrepreneurship or becoming an entrepreneur so I had no idea what I wanted to do I think it was like uh, uh, the night before I had to enroll in uni and I just chose architecture (laughs) I just thought oh this this might be might be interesting and then when I did it I definitely got a lot out of it but I was also really interested in the business side of things so I went back and did a second degree and did Property economics. Now, I racked up a gigantic hex bill. <laughs> I definitely overstayed my welcome at uni. Let me tell you that. And while I was getting my way through uni, you know, I was waiting tables at a cafe and I bumped into this girl and she said, you know what, me and my brother, we've made an app. Do you want to come on board and help us sell it? I don't know. I must have been selling like the cheese toasties that day really well. Don't know why she offered me a job. But I said, yeah, sure. I never considered going into technology. When I got there, I realized that, you know, um, the app wasn't finished yet. And it was actually an app for the property industry. So it was an app to automate the ingoing, outgoing and routine inspections for property management. And at the time, it was such a huge pain point. You know, it took property managers like two hours. They'd go in with their digital cameras. They'd sync the photos it take them two three hours to do each property inspection you know in Australia we have such stringent laws so you know we have to do four five inspections a year so I basically joined that company and realized very quickly that the app wasn't finished yet and I was literally going out there selling an idea so I had a powerpoint I was going to real estate agents and I was saying hey you know we're going to build this app this is what it's going to do But the pain was so great and the problem was so great that so many people were coming on board. And that's when I really kind of discovered the power behind kind of looking for the problem rather than looking at opportunities. So that property app went on to be very successful. It's now a market leader. Um, And during that time, that was when I was extremely busy and working very long hours and started using Tinder and I met Aaron. He was, believe it or not, the first guy that I met on Tinder. But Aaron, but Aaron, you're, were you in some industry that complemented what Alex was doing? So I was in a technology, so I was on the tail end of my first company that I started. So I started that about 11 years prior to that so as a cloud hosting company. Um, and so I'd kind of stepped out of the CEO role and we're going through a sale process. So it's technology, but quite a different area of technology. But I think we still, we still connected uh, a lot on the technology side and on the business side as well. Definitely like we're always looking at problems and like 
solutions and stuff like that. So, but you have yeah, that's absolutely. your common denominator. You both enjoy entrepreneurship and business. But what Alex yeah. Alex is giving me what I'm getting from Alex is that she, she was sort of dabbling in this technology, this app. But probably more importantly, she has a thing around design, um, whether it's look, spa- yeah, spaces, correct. design, and, and a beauty within within design and within a space. You then, correct. I, I just don't, and I know, I know what the common denominator is between the two of you, but what does your experience and your history bring to the table in relation to the business? Yeah, that's a good question. So in a historical sense, like, I think where my strong points are, are really on the, the finance, uh, business operations and um, technology side of things. So that's where I think we complement each other really, really well, is we look at things quite we're, we're very similar in terms of where our values are, in terms of our, both our personal values and our business values. But on the, the business side, uh, my strength is on business, on operations, finance, um, and on the growth side. So I think when yeah. we met as well, he had a cloud hosting company, Mark, and he had just sold that. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of when I was kind of in this period of time when I was like, okay, I'm going to take a bit of time off um, and I'm, I'm going to take a break and, you know, enjoy myself. Um, and pretty quickly that changed. Um, when we when we kind of came across the Miss Amara opportunity, uh, and that's yeah. So that's so, so what I'm getting there. here is that though um, you guys met up and you know went out a beer or whatever you went and did, and then uh, and you started sort of dating, I guess. And but then all of a sudden you realised between the two of you, I mean, hang on, how did the discussion go? Like, um, what about this Miss Amara? Like, how, I mean, how, how did that all turn out? Did you sort of who who initiated yeah. the conversation around rugs? <laughs> Do you yeah. know what's so funny is that when we got together, we said we would never, ever work together. We made it a rule. We said, well, 100% we would not work together. And yeah. I think it was like the first time that Aaron came over to my apartment, he was obsessed with my rug. Like he was asking me all these questions about <laughs> where I bought my rug from. Like, like Sounds a bit weird. I thought he was a weirdo. Like I thought he was a weirdo. Did you show him the door? No, I didn't because he then explained why he was so interested in rugs. So at the time, he was an investor advisor to a search engine optimization company company and they had realized that there was massive search volume around rugs, where to find rugs online, where to buy rugs, things like that. So he then said, you know, what was your experience like when you bought the rug? And it was an awful experience. It was terrible. And we started talking about the problem and unpackaging it and why why was it a terrible experience? And we started asking our family, friends, co-workers, all of that, and they all had exactly the same experience. And that's when we thought, okay, well, let's fix this. Yeah, like the, the, the landscape at the time was the competitors were, were terrible. This is back in 2014. There weren't many options. They were very generic branding. These websites were basically dumped. Uh, thousands of products on the website uh, with no rhyme or reason. And you'd go onto the website and try to find what you're looking for. Couldn't find it. So you kind of give up. And, Decision and just, paralysis. Yeah, you just kind of go away and say, well, maybe I'll go look in, in a physical store um, and not buy one online. And then you go to the physical so, store yeah, and, you get, really, and you get really confused. And then there's a dude standing exactly. there and they've got a big pile of rugs and it's out at Surrey yeah. Hills or somewhere like that. There's a big pile of rugs and the guy goes, what about that one? What about that one? And you think to yourself, hang on, I know he's got my size, but is that the right price? Like, what about, how much that one? Yeah. How much that one? And then how about cool. this one? And then it, it's, A, it's confusing because I've been down this track. So I just tend to buy Persian rugs 
from one place oh, up in Byron Bay, up in uh, Bangalore, uh, only because I know the guy's got okay. the proper stuff. That's the only reason. But I'm sure I'm paying too much. And um, and even for when I want something in Sydney, I get it, I buy it from there and I get him to send it to me in Sydney. And I just stick to those sorts of rugs because I know that I sort of can trust the dude. Um, mind you, I, I don't know whether they can or can't because I don't know whether they've got a proper Persian rug or not. I wouldn't have a clue. Um, but he tells me good stories about them, so that always helps. It makes me sort of get interested. But the storytelling. He tells me a story. Like oh, now, it. this one here was made by it's a, very important. an Iranian woman who or a Persian <laughs> woman or whatever, something you know, like a Turkish woman. Or, and she oh, was, that's very she important. She was weaving though. away. And Consumers care about 100%. that. A hundred percent. Well, I do. I mean, I love the story. I don't remember the stories about any of them, but I do know they've all got a story. I actually should have got him to write them down for me and actually paste them on the back of the rug so that one day I can sort of maybe show my kids the story. But but it is a very confusing thing, this process, by race. It sounds really commonplace here we are talking about rugs because they're not the most interesting things in the world but they do form an important part of what happens in your house from my point of view anyway um and and here we are talking about a rug business i mean there's a lot deeper than that but we are talking about a rug business off the back of meeting each other on tinder which i can't fucking believe like here we are we've got (laughs) two people who are attracted to each other initially on tinder and the next thing that how many weeks did it take for you guys to start talking about rugs how, many, how 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 long did it take for Aaron to start asking you about rugs and getting you to do a he, he did a survey I've, he did a focus group on you Alex uh, yeah I'm a free focus a, a free focus well, group it was a focus it was a focus group when I started asking about the rug in her living room yeah look I'm very inquisitive so the moment that you bring something up and you start pulling away that seam I'm there I'm asking people I'm getting that market research but I mean you touched on the experience back then this was back in 2014 so like Mark you you would remember those ads that were on TV you know the warehouse yeah, yeah, ads, I do. like closing down everything must go that was the experience it was extremely kind of it was quite a masculine dominated industry. So it was either that closing down experience or it was like, come and buy Aladdin's rugs, you know, a guy flying on a rug and that was the brand. <laughs> yeah. Also really devaluing devaluing the product by always being on sale and, always, you know, half price or like, you know, closing down kind of devalues what you're buying as well. Well, I never Absolutely. really knew what so the price was. Of- I didn't know if it was a discount on what, like is 50% off, but 50%, hang on, like, I could always call out 50% off. If I just increase the price by fifty percent, that's what I always think. So it's yeah. so bullshit. It is such a tricky product, and I don't think consumers are really aware of like what the price should be. Because well, that well, that brings me to like your that. business, Miss Amara. Yeah. Where'd you get the name from, Miss Amara? I mean, like it's. Uh, I've actually looked you guys up some time ago. About two years ago, I was helping one of my kids um, put some rugs okay. in their. Ha- they want to put some rugs in their house. Had a timber floor, and the neighbor downstairs was complaining about the noise. So I said, get some rugs. So I actually looked, I actually went onto your website and I don't know, I can't remember where I ended up buying from. Oh, but amazing. I, yeah, that's maybe, maybe, maybe I hope two, it was me. two, three years ago. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember now, but uh, at least would it be maybe two or three years ago? Three years ago, I think it was. Um, I remember looking at your website. And, uh, and what I think what was important to me was that um, I, I felt as though, and I can't remember why, but I felt as though I could trust you because what I mean by trust is, because I don't want to talk about this and how, how do you build trust. What I mean by trust is that I thought if I send my money, I think this rug will arrive. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of at that stage. This is three years okay. ago. I, I, yeah, I'm thinking yeah. myself, like I'm, about yeah. se- That's fair. I'm a 75% chance of actually getting the thing that I bought. Um, and it's not a, this is not a <laughs> rort, okay? So 
How important is it? Where are you buying your stuff from, Mark? No, no, this is when I was was with you guys. That's with Miss Amara. (laughs) That's why I chose you guys (laughs) because I read about it. And I I thought, how, how, because that's an important thing. Because I I think the authenticity, and that's what I want to talk about, the authenticity of rugs, particularly if they're a little bit expensive, is it genuine? Um, uh, Is it really the price that, that, is the value really the price that they're quoting me? Or am I, or am and and or am I getting a really good value? And if I buy it online, will I get it? So in other words, that whole yep. uh, last mile, you know, or more than the last mile, the whole piece of fulfilment, will the thing get delivered to me? And and then how do I trust that place in, right from the very beginning? So you know, how do you build that trust in your website and in all your marketing material and on your Instagram, etc.? I mean, your Instagram is quite beautiful. So I mean, Thank and you. that helps Thank build so trust because it looks like you're going through a lot of trouble to do it to me. Um, um, yeah. So could you explain to me then just from the first point of view, how do you build trust in your brand? Don't, uh, and I, I mean just at first blush, not, not that I can go on, uh, not on reviews, um, not that I can talk to my mate uh, who might have had a good or bad experience, but how do you, just at first flush, what, what are the sorts of things that you're doing with your pages to build that trust? Okay. Um- I guess we'll take you back to, I think your first question was, where did the name Miss Amara yeah, yeah, come yeah. about? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So as I said, we're doing all of this market research, asking our friends about the different, the different experiences that they had and um, looking at this industry, which was very confusing. There was no clear standout brand. And then we did market research around, you know, who is the decision maker in the household? And of course, surprise, surprise, 95% of the time, it is the female. <laughs> I, I don't think a lot of people would be surprised to hear that. So, you know, we're dealing with a masculine dominated industry where the female is making the final decision. It just didn't make any sense to us. So that's where we went, okay, let's create a female focused brand, which is where Miss came from. So it's that feminine energy. And Amara is a female name that is kind of a nod to the origin of the Middle East and origin of rugs. So that's where that name came from. And it's funny because after we did that, obviously uh, all these rug shops popped up that were like, you know, Mrs. Rugs Mm. and, you know, (laughs) and pink, lots of pink different rug shops. So, I mean, they always say, you know, when people are starting to copy you that you're doing the right thing. So we knew that we were kind of onto something. And then in terms of the trust, did you want to go into that? Yeah, I think the trust, there's there's a few different things that we do. The first thing that we do is like when somebody lands on the site, um, they can chat with someone uh, straight away within 30 seconds. So we have a really like strong um, so the biggest, one, one of the biggest things is when someone comes to the site, obviously they, they want to know that they can trust you. So um, there is a live chat, somebody there, and that's 24-7 live chat. So someone can go in there and they can get in touch with us straight away within 30 seconds and, and speak to us. So that, that sort of removes one of the barriers there. Um, some of the other barriers that we do is we have that tried at home service uh, is really, really um, important. And that was, again, through that market research that we found is that, you know, there were, there were quite a few barriers to people um, buying a rug online. Um, and one of them was that, you know, they were worried that they would make the wrong choice. Which and is fair enough. It's a big, yes. big purchase, you know, both 
It, do you know, dimensionally speaking, it's the biggest thing you'll ever buy for your house. Yep. So it's bigger than a couch. It's bigger than a bed. So it's it's fucking scary. And you don't want to yeah, you don't want to stuff really, it up. Really yeah. You don't want to get it wrong. Yeah, you don't want to get it wrong because then you're stuck with this huge rug and you spend a whole bunch of money on it. And and, and it's wrong. It's or, or or if you can return it, even like I said, it's a bit of a pain. So we we want to make that process um, really easy. So we said, okay, we want to do a tried at home service. So we'll ship the rug for. Uh, you won't pay shipping on it. You will ship the rug. Free to you. shipping. Free shipping. Um, and then if you don't like it, no questions asked. We'll take the rug back and we'll cover all the return uh, fees back and we'll give you a full refund for what you paid for. Um, and then you can, then we'll help you out find the rug that does work for you. So um, that's a really big part of helping, you know, remove that barrier. So it gives that extra bit of confidence there as well. Yeah, and I, I think that at the time we were the first to do that and not a lot of well, – I don't think any of our competitors do that as well because let me tell you it's expensive. It's expensive to our business to offer that service, but it was mm. something that we were really, um, really adamant on doing. I think the other one as well is the biggest problem is if you're looking at mass market, like most people don't trust their own styling decisions so we looked at kind of that problem and we said okay look, we're not going to hire customer service reps we're going to hire interior designers to do all the customer service so we offered a free styling advice service where people could send photos of their house and they would get a consult with an interior designer and they would bring back like a a curated collection of rugs specifically for their space, their needs, their lifestyle needs. We asked them a quick, there's a quick little survey around like what decor styles are you drawn to? You know, do you have kids? Do you have pets? What are your lifestyle concerns? Things like that. And I think um, speaking to a real person, that, that definitely helps as well. Yeah, speaking to the real person as well. Like, as you said, Mark, when you buy a rug, how do you know what the value is in a rug? And it's not just the value, but also... There are a lot of different constructions with rug and different fibers and different things that have benefits for different reasons. And you know, looking at our website, browsing through those, it's still not that obvious. And it's a bit hard still to see what it is that exactly is going to fit your requirements. So that's where we're speaking to your interior stars who can help say, okay, well, you know, what, what is it, where is this going? Like, what, 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 what do you have? Do you have a family? Do you have pets? Uh, or do you know, maybe you don't. Um, and then we can kind of explain the best kind of product and mix with uh, as well as the decor side of things as well. So what I find interesting about that is that in terms of um, this whole trust thing, because, you know, online's about uh, online um, transactions need to have a, a big element of trust. Otherwise, people just won't transact no matter what. Absolutely. Um, is that you're interacting and, and or having intercourse with the individuals that are, are going to your site, you're, you're definitely offering to them what would ordinarily happen if they went into a shop who, where you had mm -hmm. a very good salesperson who might say to them, you know, like, um, and it's not just a salesperson, but it's not just someone selling to it. It's like, an, as you said, Alex, it's more like an interior designer type person who shows mm -hmm. real interest in um, what it is that you're trying to achieve, you know, pets, fiber, colors, size, blah, 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 whatever. All there's probably twenty or thirty things that, that, that you guys go through, and what that's done is actually has built um, a relationship. Um, so not just going in on the side and looking, oh shit, that one looks okay. I'll, I'll see if I can buy that one because that's a bit scary. But if you then offer these things, offer me the opportunity to talk to you about what it is I'm trying to achieve, all of a sudden it shows that you're interested yep. with in what I'm trying to do, like interested in me. And I, I guess also it's smart to call it Miss Amara because then you are talking to potentially talking to the female who probably will spend much more time on this than a bloke. Um, they are much more um, detailed. They are far, 
women, generally speaking, are far better at um, uh, making sure that everything is right. Blokes just do stupid stuff like I do. Um, oh, yeah, that looks right, that right size. <laughs> that's probably the right colour. Sweet, I'll buy it. And, uh, you know, like that's the end of it. Yeah. Whereas, as you say, the woman, and this happens in the home loan business, my own home loan business, the Yellow Brick Road business. Yeah. I mean, the women make all the decisions. The bloke goes, oh, I've got a yeah. mate at the bank at Westpac or I know a broker. I'll just ring him up and they'll give me yeah. a deal. The women say, no, no, I was watching something the other day online and I saw the interest rate at uh, blah, blah is half a yeah. percent lower than the bloke that you're, the bank you're talking to. And by the way. We qualify. Yeah, correct. They'll, 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 they'll make some good inquiry. So that, sorry, not putting shit on you, Aaron, or any or me, our, our species. But, <laughs> but it's, the, it's the truth. So that's very clever, that trust yeah. bit, the way you've sort of worked it up. And I think your website or your, your Instagram, your social media is, as I said earlier, is very beautiful. I think that builds trust, particularly if you're doing it all the time. Like, so you're constantly updating your, your posts and you're putting up stories and you're, you know, and you're showing beautiful outcomes for other people. And you have all those conditions where it's returnable and sort of stuff that makes sense to me. But the more presence you have, the more believable it is that you are real, you are real people. Um, you are, I mean, Absolutely. I think being Aussie sort of helps a little bit, to be honest with you, with the Australian market at least. Um, and, and as you say, having people available to talk to the customer if they want to have the conversation, I think that's really important. So I think those people listening, you know, online business, because, you know, Miss Amara's is, is, is a very successful online, believe it or not, rug business. So, you know, there's a lot of things you can sell really successfully online, but rugs wouldn't be that, would not have been that easy. And so those people who are listening in our audience pick up from this the whole notion of how to build trust. Go to Miss Amara and have a look at what they do on their Instagram and see how they build trust. How, and it's, it's about constant, high-quality um, intelligent, valuable posts. That's what I get out of it. That's what I got out of when I was looking through your Thank your you. pages. Yeah. So Thank we, you we're so going to go to the break. And that wasn't and, by accident, by the way. No, I'm sure it wasn't. We're going to go to the break. And I want to talk about things like fulfillment. Uh, you know, that's a, that's, a, that's a really difficult one. I mean, in terms of uh, logistics mm-hmm. of fulfillment, I want to talk about where you get your stuff from. Like, you know, why are you guys living in Hong Kong? Is it coming from India? Is it coming from Turkey? And do you have to go to those places to get, get stuff from India or Turkey, or especially during this current period. I want to talk about fulfillment and I want to talk about why you were in Hong Kong and what are your plans for going for the future. But let's just go to the break and we're going to hear from our sponsor. We're going to come straight back. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
So I'm, I'm, I'm back from the break and I'm, I'm talking to Alex and Aaron and they're from a business called Miss Amara, which is an online rug business um, and a, a beautiful beautiful business that in terms of the product and how they uh, certainly how they um, sell their product and they market their product. But I want to get into sort of a bit, of, bit more boring stuff, but it's important when it comes to online businesses and that's that whole concept of fulfillment. I, I, I just want to put aside the for a moment where the rugs are sourced from, um, and, but mm-hmm. I want to assume the sourcing is okay. Um, mm-hmm. What do you do in terms of logistics? I mean, do you have a warehouse in Hong Kong? Is that the reason you're living in Hong Kong? What, why, yeah. What's going on there? I mean, and how do you get stuff from the warehouse, wherever it starts from, to say my house in Sydney in, in you know, Watson's Bay? What's that process? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, no, good, good, good question. Um, so we don't have a warehouse in Hong Kong. Um, we have a, we're based in Hong Kong because we really wanted to make sure that we're close to our manufacturers, um, artisans, and, and that side of things. So being in Hong Kong, we're a short distance from, from the manufacturers, and that's really why we're based here. Yeah. Um, storing, storing products in Hong Kong um, is pretty expensive. Like yep. Hong Kong real estate is very totally. expensive. Um, so for, yeah, yeah and, and shipping via air and all of that out of, out of Hong Kong is, 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 doesn't, doesn't really make any sense. So we do have yeah, a warehouse in Australia. Um, and, a, and, a, and a warehouse in the U.S. as well, where we operate as well. So we basically, you know, order from our manufacturers and then they ship uh, directly from the manufacturers over to our warehouse in Australia or the U.S. Right. And so from there, then on the, on, on the customer side, um, yeah, we ship, we then ship from our warehouse, you know, in either location over to our customers in Australia. In terms of logistics, um, and I'll, let's say I'm a consumer of one of your, on, on your website and, uh, and I want you to send something to my home and what's about, let's say, or make it even a little bit more difficult. I want to get something sent to my apartment in, I don't know, let's call it Potts Point. And, um, you know, how do you get that stuff to me? Because like, it's not, you know, it's not as if you can throw it over the fence or something, you know, you've got to work it all out, you know, and who, and what about these couriers? I mean, are they going to carry this stuff? They sort of put it over the shoulder and lug it up, up the stairs. How does it all work? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, so the problem with, uh, rugs is, Careers consider them ugly freight. So basically rugs can be anywhere up to three or three and a half meters long and up to 50 kilos. So the shape of rugs as well really makes it challenging for these careers to actually deliver them. It basically, when the, a lot of careers won't work with us because rugs will actually break their, the machines in their distribution centers. Basically, it will clog up all the automated machines that, that distribute and sort through where parcels are going. So what happens is when your rug comes along, They'll, it'll block a, a basically in the distribution center, it will block something, and I'll just pull it off and put the rug on the floor and be like, okay, let everything through. And then your rug kind of ends up sitting there on the floor um, until maybe forgotten about. forgotten about until somebody realizes about it. So, definitely a challenging part of getting the product to a customer, definitely way more challenging than maybe a small parcel or something like that. So, we've got to, we work with a few you know, uh, carriers that basically will take our product. And we've had to work really hard to get them up to the point where you know, they'll actually deliver reliably to a customer. So, you know, for those bigger rugs, it's two guys are supposed to come out and they're supposed to deliver that, deliver that rug. If it's like 50 kilos and, you know, uh, three meters long, they've got to help carry that. So they will deliver it to your house. Um, they will take it, uh, upstairs to a certain extent. Um, but yeah, if you're not there, you can either, they'll either leave it in a safe place. Um, so, you know, on a porch or sort of hidden behind something or, or leave a note and say, Hey, when, when can I come and drop this off? I guess what you must do is, um, open up the conversation as to how, um, the, courier can interact with in other words you know you say well uh, you know live with the concierge or something like that i mean uh, but, you, but there must be some sort of process whereby you interact with the consumer as to what the consumer uh, c- uh, can do in relation to collecting that rug from the 
courier at the time. Is that, is that and you and your so generally the courier the generally the courier will call the customer and let ah, them know that they're coming ah, yeah, in yeah. terms of like what time they're going to come. Yeah, but look, it's not a perfect process, and unfortunately in Australia we are not exactly spoilt for choice when it comes for couriers and you add the element of the fact that we're shipping a product that's ugly freight that no one wants to touch. I'm not going to lie. It's extremely challenging. It continues to be a challenge. We can't control the level of service that the courier gives the customer. So we work our asses off to make sure that our customers have this incredible beyond belief experience with us and the courier can let it down in the end. So I'm not going to lie. It's still a challenge for Okay, that's interesting. Please. I like that. I like that. That's, that's yeah. pretty cool. So just, just take me through that. Like, so, all right, we talked about the Instagram. I, I, I get it. The logistics of fulfillment in terms of your product has difficulties because, but it's no more difficult than any, any, other, any other ugly item that's going to get delivered through an online purchase. But what you do is you compensate that process by making the rest of the experience enjoyable. Is that what you say? Absolutely. So take me through yeah, some of the things do. you do. Like, if, I mean, you know, I know what the Instagram looks like, and um, that's a good experience. Um, you have um, designers who, who who are interior designers who are there to uh, assist me in my decision making. What other things do you do to Correct. make it easy or enjoyable or fun or whatever the words are? Yeah. So I mean feeling something when you're interacting with a brand we're very experience centric and we you said you you've touched on our content a lot of times that was a huge thing for us because it was one of the biggest problems that customers were experiencing so they go onto pinterest and they'd be so inspired and so uplifted by all those beautiful photos but when push came to shove and they actually had to go online it was like a stark difference. 100% i went through it worlds myself. apart 100% i mean it's worlds punish. apart so we were like, okay, why does that feeling, that inspirational feeling have to stop there? Let's let's actually make people feel that when they're on our site, when they interact with our social. You know, when we launched our social, it was all about making beautiful content that inspired happiness, and that was it. On social, we never, we never say, you know, go and buy this rug, this is a rug it's really nice gone by. No, not at all. We post inspirational content and people follow us because of that. They want to follow the content first. And at some point in their life, if they want to buy a rug, great. They might buy a rug from us, but it was never kind of about selling rugs on our, on our um, platform. So that was first and foremost, beautiful content. Whenever you touched, interacted, everything, everything was beautiful. That was extremely important to us in terms of the experience. And then you went through some of the other experiences. So that one-on-one consult with the stylist. Um, nowadays, it's funny because a lot of people have replicated that, our competitors. We, we called it freestyling advice and now everyone's giving freestyling advice. So now when we give the freestyling advice, we actually have the interior designer call the customer and say, hey, oh, um, I'm the girl that you spoke to. This is Sarah. I'm the interior designer. What did you think of my selections? And customers are just like, oh, yeah, what? Away, yeah. You're a real person? <laughs> You're an interior designer? So, I mean, that human element, it's so important because that can be really lost when yeah. you're dealing with a website. And, 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 really I, really and I, I also like, I mean, I understand you've got some sort of tech that allows me to take a photograph of my room and install the rug and have a look Correct. at it. Can you explain that? Because I think that's a cool thing. That's, that's a really cool yeah. thing. Augmented reality. 
Go yeah, we call it, that huh? the virtual rug styler. But basically, um, yeah, one of obviously one of the things when somebody's buying a rug as well, they don't know how it's going to look. Even if you, they speak to a stylist and the stylist says, hey, this is going to look great in your home, how are they actually going to know how it looks in their home without sort of, other than taking the, their screen and basically trying to see what it will look like in their home? So ever since we started Miss Amara, we want to do uh, an augmented reality setup, yeah. but we're really very particular about how we, how we set that up and how we implemented that. So it took us a, a few years to kind of get it started. Um, but what we do now is basically we want to make sure that it's very seamless because, you know, you can get some apps, you know, that, you, you know, like Ikea or something like that. You've got, if you want to go to Ikea and you want to use the augmented reality, you've got to down, download the app and you've got to, you know, place something on your floor and you've got to basically send And I mean, I don't know about you, Mark, but like the last thing that I want to do right now is download another bloody app on my phone. <laughs> exactly. You, totally. you don't want to download another app, especially if you're buying a rug, which isn't really, you know, a frequent purchase. You're not going to buy a rug every you're you know, not going to download every, an app. Every week or so. So you're not going to download an app. So it really had to be in browser. It really had to be really simple to use. Um, and so, yeah, we with, on the tech side, like we made sure that it can be used across any device, even on your desktop. You can just upload a photo of your room if you've got it on your desktop or whatever and you're, you're kind of browsing at the time. You can just upload a photo of your room. Um, and then what you can do is you can see what the rug looks like in your room. So you can see, you can choose the size of the rug and it'll, it'll, choose, it'll figure out the size of your room. You can try different rugs. You it'll can look at your it furniture. It will yeah, place the rug underneath. Ah. But for me, it was, it was like, you know, you have a customer on your website with intent to buy. Why the hell would I take them off my platform? Why would I take them onto an app? So for us, it was really important that that was in browser when you're literally looking at the rug and you're deciding whether you want to purchase this, a button that says, try this in my room. It's very mysterious and people don't know what's going to happen or what they're going to expect when they hit that button. But it says, take a photo and they take a photo and then, you know, it says, wait five seconds. And all of a sudden that rug is in their house. And that is every time I give my phone to someone and I let them use it, I can see that wow moment in their eyes. They're like, oh my God, wow. And you just that that for me it was just so important. Though that I think that that experience, um, and I'm always talking about experiences, but that experience, as you say, um, sort of builds up enough goodwill that you know once the if the rug is a little bit sort of awkward in terms of the delivery for for whatever reason, it was you like you can sort of overcome that because I think as if. If I'm just buying something transactionally and I never hear from anybody, I don't know who the hell's behind. I don't know whether I've got good value or not. I'm taking a bit of a gamble because I don't know what's going to fit or look good because I haven't really done any other due diligence in relation to that by, for example, by using your um, your augmented reality um, tech to have a look at how it might look at how it might look in my house. And then I have a shit experience when it comes to the delivery. I think, my God, I'm never doing that again. You know, I'm I'm going to I'm going to close out. So you're right, and I think that's really clever. And any, again, anyone in the audience listening to this, if you have – fulfillment and logistics is difficult. And, I mean, it's, it's just a hard thing, particularly for something a lar- if it's a large item like this. And, and as you said earlier, Alex, this is probably the largest item you buy in your house. I mean, maybe not the yeah. heaviest, but definitely the largest thing. Um, and uh, so if you have a, a difficult experience, you can actually drown that difficulty – um, or dilute that difficulty with all these other great things. And you can say, well, you know, it's, it's okay. I mean, I think that's very, very clever. And you did it, you've done it through making it easy, um, making it interesting. Um, as you said earlier, your, your um, Instagram, your social medium is a bit like Pinterest. I mean, it's um, the problem with Pinterest is you, when you Thank go you. Onto, the, onto the thing you like, it's very hard to sort of transact. 
um, it's actually a bit of a mission. Whereas yours, you just, I can transact with you straight away because I can just go to your website immediately if I like that particular yeah, thing. Yeah, I mean, we're, you know, we're pretty amazed when we look at the stats at how many people will impulse buy a rug with us. They will literally go onto our website first time because we made the assumption that the life cycle of a person wanting to buy a rug can be up to a year and in some some instances it can but we're really amazed by yeah. how many people are first time on the website complete their checkout check out no questions asked that's good i want to yeah, talk to you about yeah, that can I, sorry i don't know just interrupt because that's a really important thing again for our audience because i mean for me this is a great instruction as to how to set up a business set up a brand you know the, you know deal with the logistics issues um you know um, build the experiential part of the brand as well when we come to talking about mm -hmm. online. And what you just talked about, what you just mentioned then was uh, quite important because I just do want to quickly touch on it, is knowing your customer. In other words, anal analytics around the data. So you're, you just said to me that it's quite interesting, the number of first-time users of your, I guess, your website or, or, or at least your social mediums, that you know, you know the lead time it is before, after which they more than likely will transact with you. How important has your data been to you in terms of building your business and then ch making the changes to your, your, the way your business presents itself um, to, to consumers, to your audience? And how often do you look at your I analytics? Think, yeah, yeah, I think that's, um, for us, data is, is so, so important. It's everything. We, we are really, really data. While we're a very creative brand and, and the creative side is really important to us, we look at data across everything um, and that's on a daily or even more frequent basis. So right from, you know, uh, especially on the marketing front, because on the marketing front, we've got all these really interesting stats around, you know, because we've got, we market across Facebook, Instagram, Google, um, you know, Pinterest, a bunch of different platforms. Um, you know, people search for us in Google, they find us there. Uh, but we can see even on Facebook or Instagram, we can see how they interact with our content and what content they like. So right from the very beginning, when they first see something about us, we can start already understanding what they like. So for example, if we want to test a new product or something like that, we can actually put it onto Instagram and we can get a photo of the product and we can actually determine how popular that product will be by seeing how people interact with it on social. Just explain to the audience what you mean by interact. In other words, how long they sit on it. What Can you explain? Yeah, yeah, sure. So on, on social, um, especially on Instagram, because Instagram really is the primary medium for visual side of things now. Mm -hmm. Facebook, you know, used to be a lot bigger, but Instagram's, Instagram's where it's at right now. Um, so on Instagram, like right from the very moment they start looking at it, we can start to track the impressions. So how, how much reach did we get on that post? And we can see that like on, on, an organic, on an organic level, like how many people saw that post and then what, how many people liked on it, how many people commented on it, how many people saved that. Um, and so from those stats, we can really quickly see the winners there in terms of what what does well and that's not always necessarily the product because you know it's also where it's the product is like what setting it's in could be the lounge so, but we can definitely could be the, it could be beautiful yeah, it could be the lounge yeah yeah and, and you know we get that from time so i get people asking oh, oh do you sell do you sell the lounge yeah, like, yeah. sorry no we don't sell the lounge um but yeah we can see definitely helps us um determine which we use a lot of data around everything so product development is one of them yeah um, but on the marketing side it's like you know how, how are people interacting with particular kinds of content, like which, which people, um, you know, we target different audiences Then right from when we, when they go onto our website, then we can then track like what they're actually looking at. And that's where it really starts to get interesting because once they land on our website, 
they're like, okay, they start looking at products and we can start to see what they're actually interested in across when they go across our website. So you can see all the different products that they, they go on. Um, and then we can recommend products to them based on their interests. As, as they kind of look at more and more and they either leave the site and then come back and we bring them back to the site, we can still, we can build that kind of understanding of what that customer really wants to buy and show them the right products to basically look at. Um, so yeah, like across all levels in the business, data really does drive all of our decisions. And I think our team's used to it now. They'll bring us, they'll bring us something that they want to do. And our mm. first response is, "What's the data around it?" Well, I know it's funny. Yeah. You know, we talked about how beautiful your um, photo photography and your your uh, the visuals are. And uh, but to be honest with you, for me, data is beautiful too. Um, it's very beautiful. Yeah, and, and I quite like that. Oh, yeah. I, I quite like that, that 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 explanation, Aaron. That was that's. There's a sense of beauty for me in data and the arithmetic and the mathematics and everything around the data. So, and, and, and I think you have to, if, again, I'm going to talk to our audience, but if you want to do this stuff, one of the great advantages of being digital or online is that you get data, whereas you don't get it if you own a shop because no one actually, when the customer walks in and doesn't, maybe doesn't buy and just has a look at it, the, the salesperson does quickly run back and start writing something out about that experience with that particular customer. And, you know, I looked at 16 rugs. They, they look like they're probably... 35 years of age, uh, it was a couple, um, this is the third time back. They don't write any of that shit down, And uh, whereas di digital no. online does. And it allows you then to build, as you said earlier, build a product profile. And I, this is something I want to talk to you about now. Um, in terms of the what you know sells and or what you know that people are interested in based on, you know, what they look at and how long they spend on it, et cetera, and how many times they go back to it, blah, 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 um, how do you source the product? I mean, do you actually bring some dude up in Turkey or uh, Persia or wherever, uh, Iran or somewhere in India and say, I want 10 orange rugs built because everyone loves orange rugs at the moment. I mean, how, how do you find your product? No, so, I mean, I think earlier you asked why we're based in Hong Kong. So when we first started the business, we were purely dropship. And the reason why we did that is because we wanted to get the data first. We're data-led with everything that we do. And that's not common sense to a lot of people that you would use, like, for example, as Aaron said, marketing data for your product development. But it's absolutely what we did. We didn't want to commit to doing anything until we had the data around it. So for the period that we just did dropship products, we really managed to get the learnings around what fibers people were responding to, what trends people liked, what fibers met, met our customers' lifestyles, all of that. And we knew that eventually we were going to create our own product. We were going to create our own product and um, the reason why we're, we're in Hong Kong is because it was the perfect landing base so that when our rugs were finished, I was on a flight and I was there in a few hours, you know, and we were touching them, feeling them, rolling around on them, everything, testing Just QA them, stuff. all of that. Just like so quality we, assurance stuff. Yeah, absolutely. We also have someone on the ground um, in India. It, Unfortunately, we haven't been able to... Do you, sorry, sorry, but is that, is that, I mean, I, mean, I apologize to our audience because we are doing this uh, through the screen, but um, when you say, do you get everything manufactured in India and you give them the specifications, both like in terms of design, fabric, blah, 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 textures, all that sort of stuff, sizes? Yes. You do that yourselves. You're not walking into some bazaar where there's yes, some correct. dude standing there with a thousand rugs and you say, no, I'll take no. that one, that one, that one. <laughs> no, okay. So you, you actually get no, the stuff no, made. No. I, as I said, like 
and I guess we'll take this back to kind of our superpowers. Aaron is the data guy and I am the creative girl. So he will come to me and say, this is the data. Our customers want this, this, and this. Go and design, basically. But you need to design within these realms. Yep, great. <laughs> if that makes sense. You know, it makes sense. sense. It makes perfect um, sense to someone like me anyway. I love that. Yeah, yeah. So um, I am as creative as I'm allowed to be. <laughs> and 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 and, and um, do you go and sort of borrow ideas from, you know, magazines and stuff like that too? Like in in terms of what you do, Alex, in terms of designing around the specs that Aaron gives you based on the data that he has analysed. Um, do you then go yep. and say, um, well, this this stuff's trending now. What comes first? Is it your data tells you what your people are interested in? Therefore, you build that for them, or is it Correct. the people who follow you, or or is it the people who follow you are following other trends, and they're when you sort of feed them a few of those trends that they tell you what the trends are, and then you go and build the trends. I think it's a bit of, a bit both. of both. So we do a bit of some of the data analyst side where we see, okay, customers are buying these. We can see, you know, either color, fiber, or you know, style trends. We can kind of see what they're buying. So we know they're interested in that. We know they're going to buy it. Pretty sure thing. You know, it's pretty pretty easy decision to do that. And the other side is that we we get a lot of like Alex gets a lot of feedback, and maybe you can talk more about like kind of what how you kind of understand some of that that trend side of things as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, ultimately, ultimately, it is customer driven. They will tell us what what they want, but that I do take a punt sometimes. You know, so we have for example, um, product gaps that we have no data on, right? And I'll go to Aaron and say, look, I think this is a real gap in the market. I don't think anyone's doing this. So I'll give you an example. A Moroccan Berber rug, for example, okay? At the time of when we weren't producing our own product, the only place where you could get it, they you know, they would say, yep, this, this is a Moroccan aged Berber rug. This is how it was constructed. And the price tag on it was 20,000 Australian dollars. <laughs> I was like, okay. Okay. there must be a huge market for people who want that look and want that same rug but don't want to pay $20,000 or can't pay $20,000. So we, we kind of we went to India and we said, okay, this is the kind of rug but we want to price it reasonably. And we were able to do that. And look, it's more expensive than the regular rugs that we have on our site that are maybe synthetic fibers. Um, but, you know, you're looking around the 3K kind of mark, which is a lot less, right? So there are some things where I will just take a punt and say, look, that's, that's, that's a gap. That's a clear product gap. And I think those rugs, I mean, did so well for us because we did identify that in terms of that it didn't exist in Australia. Yeah, and you might just quickly, I might have a crack at this. So Moroccan Berber, um, Berber is like yeah. a, a thick weave, <laughs> uh, like a thick wool weave, like it's a natural fibre and it's uh, quite quite sort of the, 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 the things are thick. I mean, uh, that's what a Berber is, I think. And Moroccan, I guess, is... Uh, Something sort of reasonably colourful, I guess. Is that well? Am I sort of close to it? Um, is that right? Is that what Berber style. is? It's sort Moroccan's of Moroccan's more of the style. Yeah. But what what it's does more Berber of the look style. like? Style. So the what is it? The line work. It looks like a plush wool rug. Right. So yeah. Thick. Usually, it's, it's got longer. It's got a longer pile. Yeah. It's got a thick pile. Right. Um. And sometimes, you know, that you can get depends. You can get varying ones. Some of them can be a little bit more. Um. You know less soft, but other ones can be really, really soft and luscious, and like you know, look really, really soft underfoot. 
Um, and so we'll, 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 I guess what we're talking about is like those really lush, soft and ones colors? That, that, are, that are underfoot. Moroccan? Is um, that around well, color? Uh, there's some color. There's some oh. color. A lot of them can be black and white, though. Oh, really black and white. Yeah, like I mean. And what's trending yeah, now? Like, because I, like neutrals. I remember. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt, but I remember many years ago, my no. mum saying to us, uh, "We're going to get this carpet. It was uh, like it was like really thick, like really tall. Like the the the, the fibers are really tall, and it was like high pile. That's it. And I remember yeah. it. And like <laughs> this is going back a long, long time." And uh, and it was like a big trend, like everyone was getting it. And uh, we got in our house, and like it was a punish to vacuum clean. And my mum hated it after about two months. And uh, does do, is your industry have fashion att attached to it? Is it much fashion, or is it more classical stuff? Yeah, absolutely. There's there's trend and fashion that is like, for example, at the moment, everyone wants checkerboard. Everyone Which wants checkerboard. They're going crazy for What's it. Checkerboard? checkerboard is just basically like a, a, a check pattern. So like a chess board. Oh really? That kind of style. Yeah, they're loving it. Like it's all over Instagram. So I will produce some rugs like that, but it's more important to me that if I do respond to fashion, that I do it in a Miss Amara way. That that's true to our brand. Yeah. Because I'm not gonna start making products that are completely left of field that don't make sense for Miss Amara. Because in the end, you know, we are about longevity and we're not about kind of like the it's it's not fast fashion and rugs certainly aren't a fast fashion piece. Um, I would say the more affordable ones maybe are switched up a bit more. But, yes, we do we do respond to them, but we do it in a way that's authentic to our brand is, is my long answer. And, and given, you, you know, you mentioned earlier one of the reasons you live in Hong Kong is because you can, you can get to the various places you need to get to easy enough, like, for example, India. You're talking about India. Um, and I... Yeah. I my guess is that you're not going to Turkey and Iran or those places for, for rugs. Yeah. No, we are going to you Turkey. You are going to those we places, yeah. We are going yeah. to Turkey, yeah. Um, what has COVID, in a, when we talk about COVID here in Australia, I mean, COVID is sort of pretty much over. Um, but in, in where you are, yeah. the parts of the world you are in, it's Boy. not very much over. It's very much on. So what has that done to your business um, in terms of supply? Yeah, that's a great question. So on, on the supply side, um, yeah, it's definitely caused some challenges. Like, so we can't we can't travel obviously to Turkey or um, to India, where we where we usually travel quite often to. So we've had to on the product development side, we've had to really just focus on working with them remotely um, and really getting better at collaborating with them over over email and phone calls and, and WhatsApp and Zoom. <laughs> yep, um, you know it's that that's the only way to do it. So it's just more more communication to kind of overcome that. Um, and there's delays in the process. But I think probably the bigger impact is, yeah, that supply chain has kind of affected everything along the whole supply chain, right? From it, when, when COVID first hit, India went into a two-and-a-half-month hard lockdown. So people weren't even allowed to even leave their houses. Basically, police were beating people on the streets if you, if you left your house. Um, so it was really uh, very, very strict because they were really concerned about, uh, rightfully, they were really concerned about if they let everybody out, like it was going to, India's, you know, social distancing is very hard in India. Um, so, you know, they're really concerned about that. So, yeah, we went into a two and a half month lockdown and that meant manufacturers basically had to stop. We had product in the port, couldn't even get it on a boat. Like it was literally everything stopped. Um, so that really had quite a big impact there. And right when COVID hit as well, we had a really big uptick. So people were stuck at home. 
and they had and they, they weren't to buy a rug. They weren't <laughs> traveling, so they got this money now that they would otherwise maybe be spent traveling or going out and to dinner. And they were like, okay, well, we're going to be stuck at home for a bit. We don't know how long. Why don't we do that home renovation project or the home improvement project? Um, and a rug's definitely up there on that list. So you know that that's so that we just saw a really big spike in demand at the start of COVID. So that combined with the fact that supply chain stopped caused a really big flow and impact that we're still feeling really significantly even today. I mean, a lot of those still those issues along the supply chain are are still kind of there today. I mean, how do you remedy? Let's call it because you know you get me excited. I love what you're doing. I get excited. I'm looking, hanging out to get this thing, and I'm you know all of a sudden I'm sitting there thinking I'm going to renovate my joint. How good would it be to have a really cool rug? Blah blah blah. And then all of a sudden I get a. I get, you know, I get disappointed because, you know, there's a supply chain issue, which I understand. But how do you remedy my yeah. feeling? I mean, what do, you, what do you say to me? What do you tell me? Oh, it's that's one of the hardest things I think that we've had to deal with, especially as Aaron said, during this COVID time where we've essentially our business has boomed, but the supply chain side of things has just been fraught. So I guess the first thing that we did was, was we were extremely proactive. So as soon as we knew about a delay, we would not wait for the customer to come to us and say, hey, what's going on? We would go to them. And, um, you know, one of our company values is transparency. So we were extremely transparent about the reasons why the delays were happening. So I sent an email out personally to all of our customers and those, and I also hand wrote notes to people that experienced delays and I think at the time god my arm nearly fell off it was around four five hundred letters that I wrote to our customers personally we also sent them a free bath mat as well which we were meant to sell it was in the product dev pipeline as a product but we just decided let's let's just gift this to customers who have been waiting so a lot of it is um letting them understand what the situation is and being really transparent about that, allowing them to contact us to vent their frustrations, giving them all the tools that they need. The other thing that we did with our customer service team is we did extensive empathy training with them. So, and that was something really new that we hadn't done before, but teaching our team to really respond with empathy and understand what the customer is going through, what they're feeling, the frustration and all of that, and teaching them kind of to listen rather than speak. And, you know, it was amazing because we really went into that strategy where we had such a big challenge. But during that time where we had to communicate all of the delays, that's when we saw our customer ratings actually improved so much on Google and and on all of our customer service platforms. People were raving about how transparent that, that we were, how personalized we were, how every single person got a phone call. So it was definitely a scary period, but we got through it. Well, it's funny, you know, they, that, that old saying, lower your expectations and you'll have less disappointments. I mean, it's when someone like an online business, an online vendor goes and makes all these weird, crazy promises that we tend not to say, oh, that's never going to happen. We tend to sort of say, oh, wow, wow. You know, we get, and just building up my excitement all the time. If, I, if, if yeah. you promise less, or not, not so much promise less, but if, as you said, if you're transparent about the issues, potential issues, and then yeah. when the issues do come up, before I get a chance to whinge, you start to, you know, you, you get in front of me and you start to tell me, you know, look, there's a bit of a problem, you know, but everyone understands COVID. All of a sudden I, I got a clue what's going on. I'm not guessing. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, they, they ripped me off or they just they stitched me up. 
you, you start, you know, you, you I go to bed knowing what's going on. Like I, I might be a little bit disappointed because yeah. I wish it was here tomorrow, but, you know, at least I'll accept it. So I think, again, yeah. audiences listening to this, you've got to work on people's expectations continually. It doesn't happen from the uh, – it doesn't uh, stop at the moment you've got their money and their order. The expectations no. continue on to the day they've actually got their product and, and beyond. And, uh, and beyond. Totally. And, beyond, uh, yeah. and uh, this is a gr- good example of it like uh, because, you know, the challenges of supply chain like uh, these days are crazy and particularly when you're getting stuff out of other places. And I th- but I think actually everybody would understand as long as you tell me. Uh, otherwise, I don't, t- I don't know. We've got to wind this up, so I'm going to ask you, what question do you want to ask me if, you're any, if you've got one at all? <laughs> okay, sure. We're going to ask if we have two, but I think we'll leave it at one. <laughs> um, so, Mark, like you've built such a great name for yourself. You're a household brand. We're very lucky right now in the space because I guess people are really starting to appreciate rugs, but we want to do this like for the long haul. We want the longevity. So how do you build your brand to be that household name and for long, set yourself up for longevity? Well, uh, I'd like to say good start is being on my podcast, but uh, it's, a, it's, <laughs> it, it's it, well, it is about this. It's about you've got a story and it's about continually mm-hmm. getting onto every single platform and telling the story over and over and over again. So you've got to be the place. When I think of fish and chips, I think of Blah. When I think of buying a steak, I think of going to blah. When I think of buying a rug, yeah. I've got to go to Mr. Murrow. Like, and how do I, how do you do that? I mean, you've got to be you've got to become incredibly familiar to me. So you've got to hit me on every single um, platform you can possibly think of, and that means and that takes time. And I mean, I'm I'm well known because I, I it's not because I've been around for three years or five years. I've been around for twenty years, and uh, and. When I was around with Kerry Packer in the Wizard days, he promoted me. Yeah. I had to do everything. I literally had to do everything. I had to turn up to the footy show when I didn't want to do it. I had to turn up to the State of Origin games when I was sponsoring the, the New South Wales side. I had to turn up to every game. And I had to get in, in front of people and talk, shake hands and talk to people. There's no digital mediums in those days to do that. There was none of this sort of stuff that existed. So I guess what I'm saying to you is be prepared to continue to do what you are doing right now on this platform and all the other platforms you're on. Don't be afraid to show your faces on your social mediums. It's not just about, Mm. to be honest with you, it's not just about your beautiful photographs of rugs in homes and with beautiful furniture, et cetera. It's about letting us know who you are, the two of you. Yeah, that's great. Um, We we need to see your faces and you, and I'm going to say something to you, which is, it's going to sound a bit weird, but you've got to be two things, prolific and obsessed. In a healthy way. We are. So, we are definitely but obsessed. You, you've got to be obsessed yeah. with telling me who you are. Okay. Yeah. You've got to be prolific day in, day out about mm-hmm. telling the people what you stand for and do a story on how you guys met and uh, how you, you know, put, put it together, why you decided this is an industry you want to be in and what, how you want to change this industry. What permanent changes do you want to leave, with this, leave in this industry? What legacy do you want to... Leave. I mean, you might sound, oh, I'm talking about myself all the time, but people want to hear that. They actually do want to yeah. hear that. If you want to be, so do you believe? Name. Do you believe that people buy from people? Yeah, ultimately, irrespective of the of the protocols and the platforms and the you know the tech mm-hmm. that exists. <clears throat> At the end of the day, I want to deal with you. I want to deal Great. with. Yeah. I want to deal with Miss Amara much more now. After having met you, and understanding you, than I did before. And that's a, that's a survey yeah. one. 
but I already wanted to deal with you, but I want to deal with you much more. If you want to become a household name and you, you, you kindly said I'm a household name, that's because I have st- always stood for things and I continually talk about it and it's a punish. Sometimes I really don't feel like doing it, but I do. <laughs> and and I, yeah. I, do, I speak at events like uh, once or twice a week and I have to fly here and fly there. And, you know, I don't do it for the money. I do it because I want to get in front of people. And I want to get in front of yeah. as many people as through these, these environments, like on Zoom or whatever the uh, uh, platform I use or alternatively physically in front of the people. And everyone you talk to, you've got to somehow weave into your conversations what it is you're doing. And over time, you've got to become very articulate, articulate at it. You've, and what I mean by articulate at it is be able to get it down into two or three sentences but mm-hmm. you've got to be able to recognize over time, and this is where you know, you're talking about, Aaron, you're talking about data. You've got to build your own data through looking at people's reactions to the way they respond to what you are saying. And then over time, work yeah. about that turned them on. And when you get home, hey, we you know when we were talking to Mark and his eyes lit up when we said something <laughs> about blah. We should keep that yeah. in the conversation yeah. when we, next time we talk on Instagram or we talk about something, making sure that people are fairly treated and, and in, within your whole chain all the way back. Um, that's, for me, that lit my eyes up when you started saying that. that I, I really like that. Um, I, I, that's something that's really important to me. I mean, not to everybody, just to me. But so over time, yeah. you work out the five or 10 things that really turn everybody on. And that's data. <laughs> that is the data. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I want you to look for. And that's what I do. Thank I you. do that in my business. Yeah, thank you. I do that in my business all the time. I, I'm always, I have five or 10 things I roll out all the time. And, and you said empathy. That empathy thing is a really important. I'll tell you something else that lit me up. When you talked about having your staff trained to being empathetic on the telephone, particularly during a COVID period, really important. Yeah. I thought, wow, that's, that's yeah. fucking good. That, that's a good one. I mean, I could take something yeah. away from that for myself and my own businesses. Wow, that's so, so flattering. That's Thank so you, So you want to be prolific, obsessed with being prolific, and understand what prolific means. That means you are always out there talking or um, expressing what your business stands for and what it's about. And then over time, it won't happen overnight, but it happens over time. Um, you, you, people will feel as though you're being generous. That, that generosity, I mean, people see me as my brother's mentor, he helps everybody. That's, that generosity, people love that. Be generous with what yeah, it is you're telling us about. that's very true. Generosity. That's very yeah. true. Guys, I've had a, I've had a good time. I've, I'm, it was a punish that I have to do this thing by Zoom because I love to be sitting in the room watching you, looking at you oh, myself. So would we. But, yeah, but we, but we will do it do some, that, at yeah. some stage. Don't worry about that. And if yes, you're ever back here, come will. and see me. And if I'm up there, I'm going to come and see you. Thanks very much. Thank I, you. I wish you the very best. I love your product. I, I love your the whole game you're playing. It's beautiful. Thank you so much, Mark. Yeah, thank you so much, thank Mark. You. Really see you guys. Thanks for listening to The Mentor. Audio and production is by Jess Morley. And production assistants, Jonathan Leondis.